It's no driving gloves, everyone. Regular crews here tonight. You got John, Derek, and Will. And what up? I think Derek's playing with a lightsaber or something. That wow! wow. No, this is trying to use tree. a this marker. Tree okay, jeez. Okay. No. Kind of. Oh, oh, the Christmas tree in the background. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the holiday season. Got to have a Christmas tree. I got mine too, somewhere here. See? Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's downstairs. Hey, there it is. Yeah, John's yep. got a. Well, we all know who background. Scrooge is here. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he kind of looks like Scrooge. Two of us got he? Christmas trees, and John's got a brown curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! Did y'all hear that? Yeah, that's just the idea. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, you guys been up to anything exciting, or don't you mean bah humbug? No, I'm a very cheerful no. Christmas person. I love receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was I listening to, or where was I hearing the conversation about it's better to receive than to give? Oh, I was listening to some book on tape th- thing that I was listening to. And the guy pointed out that, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, it's better to receive than to give. No, it's there's got to be some joy. In no, it's better to too. give. It, no, no, no. It's, it's better to give than to receive. Okay. Uh, that's guess, the saying. I guess that's the saying. You're right. But his argument was yeah. it's just as good to receive because for it to be a truly happy transaction, both parties should be equally as happy and pleased. So why is it better to give and then and worse to receive. Both parties are happy. Very complicated stuff that I listen to during the day. Does it not make you happy if you give someone something and they get joy out of that? Don't you feel good that you've made their life better? Yes. But on the flip side... All right, there we go. No, on the flip side, when somebody gives me something... I'm very happy. I'm just as ecstatic to receive it. The kids yes, but are... you don't always give that person something back, do you? So in other words, you're expecting them to feel that it's better to give than to receive. STDs don't count. <laughs> what, Had to go there. I say, I wouldn't have any experience <laughs> in, in, in that department, Will. <laughs> now, is that a new is that a new vehicle from Ford or Dodge? The STD is that is that like an LTD or? Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the new. Uh, it's actually really the new Ford Mustang. <laughs> is the STD? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something. Well, you see, Tesla did the sexy model lineup, and now they're doing the STD model lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the show. Thanks, folks. <laughs> yeah. See you all later. Now we'll get back to our family friend friendly uh, conversation. And parents, please mute the last two minutes of the conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to put that disclaimer after. <laughs> <laughs> this movie oh, did Lord. contain violence. <laughs> <laughs> What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. What have we been doing? Yeah. What have you been doing, Derek? What have I been doing? Working. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's Get pretty ready. much all I do. Getting ready for some new uh, exhibits and stuff. 
Actually, yeah, we um, since the last time either of you guys have been up, and probably a lot of the listeners that stop by the museum at, at, if they ever do, um, <clears throat> our performance gallery, which for Will and John and anyone that's ever been to the museum before, is the large circular room in the uh, the kind of about halfway through the museum that has all the racing corvettes in it uh we have closed that down and gutted it and it is going to become uh all new interactive um you know a lot of technology involved in the exhibit projection touch screens um, all kinds of really cool stuff that's uh, gonna open up at bash uh 2020 so april 23rd 24th and 25th of 2020 uh, will be our bash weekend at the museum. And that's when we'll do the ribbon cutting of that new gallery. So hmm. you should so, have some podcasts, it's a lot of work. You should have some people live podcasting from that event. Yeah. Maybe I'll reach out to like Adam Carolla or something. See if we can get a podcast there. Yeah, good idea. It, it should work. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking Spike yeah. Harrison or but hey, whatever you want to do, oh, yeah. I mean, some we find one of those automotive podcasts that'll come do it. There's got to be one out there somewhere. I'm sure we could find one. I've never heard of a podcast. What's a podcast? Hmm. It's where I've never heard of an automobile. It's where somebody gets on, they record something, will, and they try to pretend they're a really famous DJ. You know, that's fulfilling oh. their radio fantasies. It's probably never going to catch on. So, oh, ca- kind of like the internet. You know, actually, it's kind of distributed on the internet every now and then. Oh, what's the internet? Uh, you have. You'll have to talk to Al Gore. He'll explain that to you. Hey, Will. Yeah. Get a horse. Yeah. Why well, every yeah. time somebody says horse, I think Mister Ed theme. Horse is a horse. Well, you know. I think of the podcast that y'all talked about, what y'all talked about last week, about how you can have too many of those. <laughs> yeah, I think we can't get into debating that until you actually in, you know, catch up and <laughs> listen to that podcast. <laughs> uh, so I kind of mentioned it to Sean last week. So the listeners probably heard, but since you guys haven't listened to the podcast, John did a John thing. I bet you can't guess what that was. You got a new car. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know how I... John bought a minivan. I'm cutting back and I'm going to buy something very cheap, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. I bought something very cheap. We talked about it. Didn't like it, so I went ahead and bought a new car. <laughs> and that is... Nothing, literally nothing exciting. Everybody's got one. So, matter of fact, you've experimented with them, Will. We talked about it many podcasts ago because it's got that little rotating shifter in it that's just so freaking annoying. So, you bought a Dodge? No. A Ford? Yep. Well, of, a course Focus. I, of course, I bought a, uh, a Ford. No, it's a Fusion. A Fusion. Okay. And we think we said something in the pre show talking about Cadillac, CTSVs, and you said, hey, you can get away with a base car. I said, absolutely not, because this is the first time, and I've really went through every car I've owned, and normally I'm buying at the top 
of the model. This time I bought a uh, Fusion SE, so they don't make the Sport anymore, which really surprised me. But they didn't buy the titanium version or anything. I bought the SE, so it's got some cool stuff on it. But, you know, hang on to your hats because 1.5 liters of single turbocharged power, it it really doesn't move you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... But it's supposed to kind of, sort of get almost as good a ca- gas mileage as my old CRX did. There you go. So how far is it um, of a drive from your new venture you've got going on? Uh, well, can't really talk about that th- this episode. We'll do a press okay. release come early January. But honestly, it's probably three to four miles from where Barber's was. <laughs> so gotcha. it's, it's kind of like uh, driving the same thing. If, gotcha. if I actually have to go there that day. So, but we'll, we'll go through that. You know, he, he kind of wants to do an announcement come January. So we'll, Ten four. we'll wait. I guess I'm important enough to have a press release. Getting up. Well, it's really no driving gloves. It's made that happen, but probably. I mean, you'd be amazed mm-hmm. at the uh, conversations the podcast brings up. Boy, we're, we're really not rolling tonight, guys. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for us to get into the topic, or for Will to tell us what he's been up to because he's missed the last like 25 episodes. Oh yeah, hell, that'd be a whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're we're well pushing. good. Then I can go. <laughs> we're uh, we're pushing on a project right now that we're actually going to debut in bare metal at the Grand National Roadster Show. So that's been consuming a lot of my time. Of course, you know the holidays being here, and you know we have I have a huge family, so it's you know we've been doing Christmas since Thanksgiving. Um, so that's been consuming a lot of our time and just, uh, you know, just life and, and working at the shop every chance I get to make sure we get this Impala ready for Grand National. And uh, we've actually got a booth that we're going to be setting up at Grand National first, first time we've ever set a booth up at a, at an indoor car show. So, you know, getting backdrop made and getting literature printed up and designed and you know just uh, a lot of things going on got a 57 chevy in the shop that's getting real close to paint so that's always consumes a lot of time because we got a deadline that we've got to get it painted by because the customer's coming down from new york to see it so you know just uh just a lot of stuff going on that uh has has been taking a lot of my time up and so that's basically it so are you actually putting a booth in advertising a big oak or is it just yeah yeah that's what we're doing so y'all should uh y'all should fly to grand national we'll do a live podcast from from the show and I, t- I, I don't know. Did I tell you, Will? I've got hotel reservations <laughs> for, C- for SEMA next year. You did? Okay. Time to get registered? Just reservations. Doesn't mean he's, he's going to 
actually show up. Yeah, now, now, now it's remembering to do the registration part. So, mm-hmm. I'll stay on your tail to get that done. Is this a business trip? Is the podcast paying for it? Because I'll go. The podcast might go out there, um, and you 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 pay for it out of your pocket. Then you submit your expenses, and then we see if we can afford it. There you go. Oh, I'm good. Oh. I'm good with that. I'll sum, I'll submit my expense for SEMA. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! You know, we just turn it into the big oak garage. They'll they'll cover it. Yeah. They they got money money to yeah. burn. I'll say it's a you know when when no driving gloves travels, we travel in style with our three dollar a day stipend. Heck yeah! And and each host contributes in, uh, each host contributes a dollar of that. So obviously, SEMA's our our biggest expense trip of the year. So. So, so what are we going to talk about tonight, guys? I was going to say, Derek, you've been anxious to jump into this topic. Are we going to get into a topic, or are we just going to just kind of wallow around? We're 13 minutes of wallowing, and if anybody's still there, still uh, out there, still listening, what uh, exactly? What, what did you want to jump into tonight? You had the topic. Don't bring this on me. Yeah, but you were the one who was anxious to get into discussing. And the the neat thing about the topic. All right, hang on. Let me let me bring up let me bring up your text message so I can remember what your topic is that I need to bring up. Well, I'm going to say the topic is great because we can do it now and we can do it next year because there's so much controversy on when does a decade begin and when does a decade end. See, I'm actually one that thinks a decade begins at like one and ends at the conclusion of a zero. A lot of people think you begin at a zero and end at the nine. So so obviously we're talking about the most influential cars of the decade are cars that we think have made an impact, whether it be a production car, whether, you know, on Will's side, what car was debuted at a hot rod show that was, you know, maybe changed the world, or even a technology or something that's in the automotive sphere that is... Uh, Potential, you know, what are the biggest things in the automotive world that maybe have happened in the last 10 years that we can come up with or we feel or, you know, there's been a few things that have went on in the last couple of years. Does anybody want to jump in or? Well, I mean, if you wanted me to bring up the topic, uh, we want to talk about what the most influential car of the decade is, John. Yep. And that's what I said. Now, I, to go back to your question about decades, because clearly this show is turning into a non-automotive podcast with the last few episodes we've had. Yeah, last um, week was a very I think the question you have to episode. ask yourself is, was, well, yeah, but we weren't together, so that's why. Uh, the, the simple question you have to ask, ask yourself is, was there a year zero? I don't believe there was. And that's where I'll leave that. So, Will, what do you think the most influential car uh, between 2010 and 2019 was? <laughs> well, there, there's one car that was built uh, by Troy Trepanier, Rad Rides by Troy, that 
I don't know what it is about this car. It was, it was absolutely killer when it came out. It's still killer today. Um, I'm pretty sure it came out in 02 or 03. That's not um, this decade. Huh? That's this century, not this decade. Yeah, oh, yeah. 2010 to 2019. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, well, all right. My bad. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember. Yeah, you I'm think going it, way back. Is that the fair lane? No, that's too. I'm trying to remember which one. I'm trying to remember. It was a uh, 62 Impala called the Chicane. I remember that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the car's but, insane. But that's a little bit too old. So It's too old. So, anyway. Um, yeah, we're just doing the last 10 years. <laughs> Dang, I'm getting old. Whew. Yeah, it's, yeah. College was what uh, twenty years ago. <laughs> high school. Yeah, let's high, not high, talk high about it. Us were thirty years ago. Yeah. Well, it's just because you're old. Got to be something. Well, I guess I can quit googling the Rad Rods by Troy since that was that was almost a pre-internet car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Okay, strike yeah. strike one for Will. How about you, Derek? Yeah, go ahead. Pass me up. And the model Model A was last century. No, it wasn't. Oh, 2010 to 2019, not 1910 to 1919. See, I thought that's where we were going. Sorry. Sorry. In that case, the Chevy 490. Anyway. Huh. Trying to ah, can't, use the, can't use the podcast what, what, for a personal financial gain there, but Derek, I've got I've got one. I'm not selling anything. I, I'm not. I I have never sold anything via this podcast. Had advertisements for job openings at my shop on this podcast. Um, uh, anything? I, I'm pretty sure it's um, the the other hosts of this podcast that might do that. Hey, I lay out a solid twenty so wait, bucks a month it... for this podcast. So. <laughs> oh, he's good. So, what am I? Uh, is it just anything, or are you sticking me with like production vehicles that have come out? What are, what are, what is my? Because yes. You talked about Will talking about in his industry. No, I, I, Will could. I don't care if Will thinks that the, uh, you know, 2016 Impala SS was the greatest car of the decade. That's fine. I mean, if whatever, whatever. I mean, I, I'm a. I'm sure we're going to each get two or three stabs at this. Well, I can tell you the greatest barn find of the decade was a 1923 peerless model 66 uh, that was found in a barn in South Bend, well, Mishawaka, Indiana. That was by far the best barn find of the decade. And who found barn that and where is the car now? Ah, uh, I believe I located that and it's in my garage. And see, here here we are self-serving, where I'm sitting here thinking, you know, some of the greatest advancements in, you know, the last decade, really, car-wise, 
I'm thinking, you know. All right, then. A- Apple CarPlay. The, how about, um, how about, eh, <laughs> how about, if you're going to go there, how about, was it the 2015? I'm trying to remember what year it was introduced. Was it 14 or 15? Um, Ford F-150s that moved to all aluminum, you know, panels and everything. I believe it was I we were, 15. I thought we were talking about the best stuff of the decade. <laughs> well, there. Well, if we're talking about innovation. Well, innovation don't mean it's good. Everybody's following Ford's lead because doesn't uh, General Motors have aluminum trucks now? Or Yep. I still think it's stupid. Aluminum sports cars are okay. Carbon fiber. I, I, I agree with that, but not a work truck. Mm-hmm. They look like they look like teetotal hail in two years. Yes, but Elon I Musk, see, Elon I Musk see is Steve trying to take care of that with titanium. <laughs> hey, glass, hey, glass that don't break. <laughs> hey, what about what about the in that case? What about the Tesla Model Three? Now see. You can't. I don't. I don't think you can have a conversation about automotive automobiles and auto the model automotive industry of the last ten years without Tesla being a major major player. You know, I almost think the Model S was probably more prevalent than the Model Three. I've seen arguments for the Model Three because it kind of brought Tesla technology to the masses. But you would have never had a Model Three with, and that's that's what I was thinking. Without the acceptance of the Model S, and then the ensuing very true, you know, we wouldn't have the Porsche Taycan coming out. We wouldn't have the Mustang Mach E. We wouldn't have you know. We wouldn't have the Cybertruck. We wouldn't. Wait, have, wait, wait. The Mustang Mach STD. <laughs> the the Mustang S. No, the Showy. Yeah. The, Yes, the, the showy. <laughs> the showy. I like STD better. And here's our parental parental warning um, after the fact again. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, we're gonna have to rate this episode M. I think for maturity. I think we, you know, going with the on the Tesla line. You look at everything that's come out of Tesla, even if it kind of sort of maybe existed you know pre-2010 but you have over-the-air updates for your cars now you have you know car, internet connected cars you have you know the electric cars um, you have just this acceptance of this whole new technology uh, so I think the Tesla is an easy one on that and to kind of play off the same game I kind of think that the uh, Porsche 918 Spider um, is a very influential car when you get into the hypercar realm because it really started to introduce the dual power to supercars and hypercars where you have a gasoline motor and then electric motors to assist, which has you know, now been utilized by McLaren, Ferrari, 
Um, there's another one that's coming to mind, but I can't think of it. Um, but it's, oh, the NSX, it's just all, I guess, uh, you know, electric drivetrains might be the biggest, you know, biggest change to the automotive industry with everything, everything and everyone, you know, playing the game. Um, I think we had the Chevy Volt come out this uh, decade. We had, um, with its its innovations, and here, you know, again, we're here mm-hmm. in 18 and 19 with the Chevrolet Bolt, the Nissan Leaf, all these cars that now are getting 300 miles on a charge, which for 95% of the population is a very reasonable charge and distance to travel. To throw out another big change to the automotive industry, in my opinion, uh, of the last 10 years is the Fiat buyout of Chrysler. Um, you know, that kind of started. Well, over, well, well oh, we're talking about cars here, not companies. <laughs> it's car companies. And it's you have to look at with with that buyout. It's brought Alpha back to the U.S. market. It's changed Maserati. I do like that. It's, you know, and going back to last week's episode and what Will mentioned, it kind of created a lot of the horsepower wars with the American cars. You know, first we put out the Hellcat with 707 horsepower, and then, you know, General Motors has to top it, and Ford has to top it, and then, you know, you get the Demon, and then you get the Red Eyes, and, um, you know, now we're having, you know, American cars that are 800, pushing 900 horsepower. And isn't the, and to take my last two suggestions and combining it, the rumor is the C8 ZR1 is going to be electric, gasoline electric hybrid with 900 plus horsepower. So I think, you know, all of that comes into play. And to me, FCA kind of restarted that game um i mean cars were getting faster and horsepower was there but i think i think the hellcat in the middle class genre um really opened up that horsepower war i mean ferrari and porsche and you know if you're buying half million dollar exotics they've always you know they've been playing in that 600 700 horsepower realm for 15 years but for the average Joe who, you know, a, a sixty seventy thousand dollars Hellcat's not out of line for a good portion of the population. I mean, it's still an expensive car and it's an expensive toy, but, you know, I think a lot of people bought base challengers just because of the fact the Hellcat existed and I gave them the toys. Yeah, I wonder how many base challengers have been made to look like hellcats i know i've seen several there's been a couple that have popped up on the birmingham mopar owners club page various used car dealers that are six cylinders made to look like hellcats because if the original hellcat wasn't wide body or anything you know change rims and change some badging and you can claim you've got a hellcat from the exterior that's right well, going going back to the hot rod side of things, 
most people automatically think, you know, influential hot rods of the decade, whatever. Uh, they automatically probably go and think about the Riddler. So going back on the last 10 years of the Riddler, um, there's me there to me, there's two cars that really stand out. Um, one of them was an Oldsmobile built by a shop in Texas. That was really, really cool. And then another one was a 40 Ford, uh, built by Cal automotive creations, Andy Leach's shop out of o Omaha, Nebraska. And if you were, let's just say you were to compile the last 10 Riddler winners, those two cars would stand tall. And to me, the 40 Ford that Andy Leach built would, would probably take, you know, take that trophy. If there say there was one, if, uh, if you hadn't seen this car, you know, there's a, it's a 40 Ford coupe. So it's, it's, it's a car that don't take a whole lot of modifying to make it super cool anyway, but they cut this thing every which way, but Sunday and to improve the lines on a car like that is, you know, it's playing with fire and man, they did it and nailed it. And it's just a, it's just a super, super killer piece that, you know, 20 years from now, it's still going to be as cool as it was in 2013 when it won the Riddler. So as far as hot rods go, you know, that, that car there, is uh is one that will definitely you know leave a mark on on this decade and probably the second the second one to me that and and i'm not a big muscle car guy uh i appreciate them we've built some but the car that the ring brothers had at sema this year Holy cow, man, that, that thing just, uh, stepped it up, even stepped the notch up even higher. And, and I know it, it, it's towards the latter part of the, you know, part of the decade or whatever, but that car would, would probably go down as, as one of the most influential, coolest pieces of this decade in the, in the hot rod side of things. You brought up the Ring Brothers there, and for some reason, there's to me, there's been a lot more chatter about the Ring Brothers in the last couple of years, uh, some of the stuff they've done, and it's getting outside of the automotive realm. I mean, if we, if we sit here and we talk, we can talk some builders that are really tight in the industry that the general public doesn't know. You know, I would say... Chip Foose in the early part of the you know the century in the you know 2000 to 2010 realm, you know he was kind of the guy. Do you think the Ring Brothers are kind of the that shop? I mean, because they don't have the TV show and things like that. And I want to discount. We'll throw out all the TV shows. Otherwise, you'd probably say Richard Rawlings is probably the most famous quote custom car builder of the last ten years. But do you think the Ring Brothers? really came on and have really helped guide 
some of the styling in the last portion of the decade, at least, and maybe getting into the next decade? Will no. they overlap? No, no. Oh. In, in, in the beginning of the decade, they they have put... Uh, you can take that whole pro touring show car craze that you see now. I'm not I'm not talking autocross cars. I mean the the pro touring show car stuff, okay? You can pinpoint that straight to the Ring Brothers. I mean, those guys took that to a level that nobody had ever seen before and this is this is oh 15 years ago maybe even longer than that 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 mike and jim started pushing that envelope and they just keep taking it to a different level and everybody everybody is playing second fiddle to the ring brothers in that genre of car but they're really now, don't get me wrong. Go ahead. I was say, but they're really coming on, and like I said, they're the they're they're becoming known by non-car people, and I think that's what uh, you re- know, it, really builds the street rods, and and they're getting emulated by up and coming shops more and more. Yes, yes, they've been around for twenty twenty years, but it took them so many years they might have come on with the exact same thing that they're selling now, but it took many years to get that styling and get that to move the industry their direction. Or Well, I guess I think it's, it's been longer than a couple of years. Uh, of course, I'm in the industry. I see it every day. So it's kind of hard to not see it from my side you know what i'm saying um i mean the the ring brothers have been in influencing other builders and and home builders pretty strong for the last 10 years um i I guess if you had to really do the car builder hot rod shop of the decade um they would definitely definitely be in the very very top of that i mean they've they've been doing it they've been doing it a long time and they've been influencing other shops for a long time and and maybe in from the outside world looking in they're they're just now getting a name outside of the industry um but as far as i'm concerned i mean i I don't see it that way because I'm like I said, I'm in the industry, but you know, maybe, maybe that's the case. I don't know. Yeah. You're so far out by outside of my world. I have, I have no, no comments on this. I mean, I, I mean, I, the ring brothers, more power to them for what they're doing, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about them. So, well, it's it's not my style of car. You know what I mean? That's not the style of car that Big Oak Garage builds. Um, but the appreciation that I have for 
for that style and for their work and for their creativity, for their design ideas. Dude, I mean, I, I can't say nothing but good things of, about it. And and Mike and Jim are two of the coolest dudes on the planet. You know, I mean, they're just awesome people. Um, and and they build they build cool cars, man. Whether you like that style or not, you walk around one of their cars, and you know, just about every single one of their builds, you you got to walk around them thirty times. And every time you walk around it, you see something different and you see something different and you see something different. And, you know, you may not take some of their ideas and build a car like theirs, but it, you know, it may be, you know, it may be the shift knob that you like that'll work on a build that you're doing that you do one like, or, you know, it could be the, the, the gas pedal, the brake pedal, the clutch pedal, or, you know, a dash knob or, you know, it could be anything. That, that you take influence from that you could create on your own specific build. That's not even that styling. You could take a part off of a Camaro that they built that may work on a 32 Ford, you know? So, uh, they're just extremely creative and, uh, and, and, and cool people. I guess it's rotated back around to you, Derek. I stole Tesla from you, so what? Oh, what are you seeing? Or, I was gonna say what? <laughs> what? What? Why is it back on me? I, I started this conversation with the Ford F one fifty aluminum, yeah. moved to all aluminum panels, and then I got Tesla stolen from me. Um, and then Will and I talked the Ring Brothers, and hence it's back to you. Or... And then I fell asleep during the Ring Brothers uh, conversation, took a little nap. Um, you know. Well, jeez, uh, I'm trying to think. What else came out in the last 10 years? Ooh, uh, how, how could, how could, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to have this conversation without mentioning the C7 Corvette. I was just, I was actually just going to go there because I was trying to figure out if we talk about this, the C7, the seventh generation, but which. The ZR1? I mean, the ZR1 was an insane, insane. Yeah. Yes, it's only a one-year build. It is the most powerful Corvette ever, production Corvette ever produced. 755 horsepower, uh, 0 to 60 in under three seconds. Um, I mean, just ridiculous. But if you go back to the introduction and in, in the first you know year, 2014, when they just had the Stingray, that still was an insane production car. I mean, it was it was unlike anything. I mean, it was it was unlike the C six, right? And one of the C six was impressive. The C seven was badass. <laughs> oh, I agree. The C seven Corvette, the ZR one, is is, I mean. To me, it'll go down in history as one of the coolest, baddest Corvettes ever. And it, and 
isn't one of the reasons they moved to the mid-engine platform is they honestly felt that they'd done just about everything they could possibly do, just say with a base Corvette, to do what it was doing, and they had to add all of the aero package and the wing and, and all of that stuff to keep more horsepower for the handling capabilities and keep the thing on the ground, which was the ZR1. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, Tadge, Tadge himself will say, you know, they basically pushed the env- envelope on what they could do with the platform of the C7 as a front engine right. sports car. I mean, you, you know, that's, call, they, they pushed the ultimate limit. You can call the C7 ZR1 the baddest front engine car on the planet. Is that is that safe to say? Boy, I'm I'm I, ooh, I have to be careful. I I have to be careful here. <laughs> per, production. Oh, per, production. Let's go production car. Yes, yeah, I yeah. could say that. Where I see someone challenging that is, and it it is a non per. I guess, I guess I don't know the answer. I I think it's technically a non-production car but i would think that some people would challenge that with the um what they call it the the valkyrie the yeah it was valkyrie right the aston martin well that's i think especially i think will's statement could really come into it was it was a question it was a question, not a statement. <laughs> because, I mean, you can start playing, you know, when you start getting into exotics and things like that. Um, you, you know, you're going to get people that are saying, and why am I drawing a blank, uh, you know, Ferrari 599. Uh, a lot of the Astons. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other front engine v8 stuff i mean even some of the audi stuff it, it all depends on your taste and what you want to do with the cars i mean a mopar guy is going to tell you no 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 that you know the demon was the ultimate front engine v8 car the the ford guy is going to tell you no 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 the gt500 with its flat pa- or 350 with the flat plane crank blah 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 that's the way to you know that was the ultimate front engine um but Hang I, on, I have to I have to correct myself because I said the wrong I said the wrong name of Aston Martin. I said the Valkyrie, which was their exotic um, crazy thing. Yeah. What I was thinking of was the Vulcan. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, John. Go ahead. No, that's pretty much where I got is. Uh... Yeah, but we all know that the the ZR1, the 2019 ZR1 Corvette. Nothing hold. I'm, I'm sorry. No Mustang holds a candle to that car. No. Not at no all. production Mustang. I think it gets back to when you're talking. Go back to the old Fox body Mustangs. I don't think anybody on the planet would deny that it was the best bang for the buck. You know, it was what eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars in nineteen ninety for a, a Mustang LX five liter, maybe just over twenty. Where even a 
Z28 Camaro or a WS6 Trans Am, they were pushing mid-30s. And I think the Corvette falls into that. I think bang for the buck for the ZR1, you'd be really hard-pressed to beat it um, until you, you know, if you want to say, you know, that, and if you want to say the C7, really the introduction of the C8 might be kind of news of the decade, too. Uh, you know, obviously it was introduced this decade, and it just kind of brings a whole new level to the American sports car. And might be, the, you know, I've I've made the comparison that it could be the game changer to the supercar world much the same way that the NSX was 30 years ago. You know, the NSX woke Ferrari and Lamborghini and all those guys up, and they started yeah. to build quality things. Now the Corvette's going to wake people up going, wait, I can get this performance for sixty grand, or say even go to the ZR1 version for one hundred twenty-five grand, which is a third of the cost to your a decently equipped Ferrari four eighty-eight. With this. what? Mm -hmm. So what? Didn't Lexus make a uh, front-engine rear-wheel drive super type of car? Well, they've done a couple. For, for, you're you're probably thinking the um, LFA, the least least yeah. only four hundred thousand dollar car. But yeah, it was a V ten. Yeah, the uh, I can't remember if it was a ten or an eight, but it was you know it was instantly bought up by collectors and everybody put them away, you know, and six people drove them. And I think there's still reports of twelve or thirteen of them brand new on showroom floors that have never been sold. I don't, wow. you know, the, the LFA, I don't, I think it's just one of those Lexus did it to say, this is what we could do. And it was followed up by, I mean, the, the game you could play and I can't think of what the model is. I'm thinking the RX 350. No, it was just the, uh, Lexus, um, RXF type, you know, a hundred grand or something. And and it's it's a heck of a performance car and a heck of a luxury car. Um, you know, I I recently drove the uh, RX three fifty F type, but not the official RX F type. And total two totally different cars. You know, how did we forget about the Viper? Well, because the Viper was introduced in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, but we're talking about was delivered to company in nineteen. Delivered to consumers. Are you talking about the the 1992? But it 93. Was it was canceled. 1992 well, was the 92, first production. Yeah. Um, yep. But when it did was, they stop making the Viper though? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. They stopped in what? 2017. Oh right, wait, so, no, they stopped in uh, 08, and they brought it back in. The, well, in, they brought it back. Right, 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 right. So we're talking, you know, baddest front engine rear wheel drive car. Obviously, the baddest one on the planet was going to be made this decade. But was the what? Uh, what did they call their their racing viper that you could buy? ACR, the ACRs. Like that? Wasn't that a production? ACRs, yep. Was that considered a production car? I mean, I think that would that may give the ZR ZR one maybe a run for its money. And see, the problem yeah. with the viper to to the Corvette, in my opinion, and as a Viper fan, the Viper from day one, and I've said it many times, the reason, you know, there, there's two things that happen when you get into a Viper. 
you tr- you try to stay alive and the t- car tries to kill you. E- <laughs> yep. Even in the newest ones, they do take some talent. Now, in the right hands, it is a monster. The Corvette, I think, is still a little bit more forgiving. It's not as harsh. It's not as brazen. You know, I've no, I've got one or two friends with a 19ZR1, and they're u- daily usable cars where Vipers just, in le- in, I mean, it's like saying a Lotus Elise is a, an a everyday car. It is to a diehard car fan. And I think um, the Viper's the same way. It's it's a heck of a car, and it it would you know it'll run right with the best best cars on the planet, the ZR1 to the Ferraris to you know whatever you want to put it up against on you know the Nurburgring. But it, I I don't know. I I probably have you to. You got to give the nod to the ZR1. Exactly. That's where, that's how I was just going to conclude that. Yeah, got you. And where was it? But you you got me to say Lotus, and, you know, they they introduced their Evora in 2010, which was an interest, you know, it was an interesting car, and it's taken nine years for them to potentially really get it right. And I keep reading and seeing little articles, and, you know, they build like 18 of them a year and sell them in this country. And everyone's a custom color and things like that. But I keep seeing more and more Porsche Carrera, Porsche 911 drivers trying the Avora and liking it. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's really a big game changer. Um, the kind of looks like a Porsche. You know, it's, it's a mid-engine Porsche and... You know, the yeah. the Cayman, to me, really came on, and you got the GT4, and Porsche started to let people, or Porsche started to let Porsche develop the Cayman and the way the Cayman should have been built. Uh, I mean, I've always felt the Cayman could run circles around a 911 if you let, you know, if you, you let the Porsche engineers go crazy with it, and I think Porsche slowly let them have more and more, you know, granted, you're not going to get a Cayman that, you know, outperforms a GT2, but that's still, I think, Porsche holding it back. So I think overall it's been a great 10 years for performance cars. We haven't really touched luxury other than, you know, your mention of the uh, Lexus, but, you know, Lexus has really brought a lot of performance back to, the you know, that, that realm and that market. Um, you know, they've kind of always played in it. Uh, you know, Mercedes is, you know, the AMG stuff they're doing now and then, you know, AMG GT. Um, I know there's not a lot of people that gets that get to play with 125, 150,000 plus dollar cars, but they, you know, there's this luxury level. I mean, Audi's done a really nice with their, um, uh, what is it? Yeah. RS packages and things. So uh, overall, I'm going to say the decade's been pretty good to cars, everything. Now, let's let's quickly go with the question: What's the worst thing that has come about in the automotive industry 
or with cars in the last 10 years. Okay. Mm, the freaking press. Uh, r- reality TV sh- TV shows started before 2009, uh, 2010, <laughs> didn't they? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go. I, I personally, for me, the belief of the autopilot system and self-driving cars where the driver has no responsibility. Um, I agree with that. And, and a lot of the safety stuff that's really been added in the last 10 years. They've made the cars better, but they've made the drivers lazier. And all it's going to do is become lazier and lazier and lazier. And I heard a really good discussion today that we're going to get the technology right. And we're going to have cars that can drive themselves and not crash into things and run people over and you know, that we can get in and sit down and go somewhere. But they pointed out, we'll have that technology, but what we don't have is the technology to keep us busy because we're not, there's going to be this transition as you get used to the car driving you somewhere and you not having to drive it. I mean, some people are going to adapt really quick and they'll be on their iPhone or their you know, tablet or whatever, instantly. But there's they already are. Just look at Will's <laughs> video. <I> mean, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking my drive home from Montgomery today, but no, no police officer was uh, listening to this, right? <laughs> but it, um, you know, I I think as we've talked about it in other shows. I think that's the worst thing to come out of the decade as far as. You know the the auto you know in the automotive arena is that we've taken we've taken the driver out of driving. Well, I'll tell you something else that I don't like is this whole going to the diesel side of things is the whole death fluid. You know that is just absolutely horrific. It's it's really really tough on its components. There's, there's always problems with it and it, you know, it's just an added cost added, you know, it just, it makes, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me on the whole, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, cleanliness of the environment or whatever, you know, get it right before you, you introduce it. I mean, We've had more problems with DEF crap on our, our diesel trucks, our tow trucks. And it's just been, it's one thing right after another. And, you know, really cracking down on people that's deleting them and all that stuff. And it's actually a better vehicle when it's deleted than, than what it is when it comes from the factory with all that crap on it. Well, I mean, think about it. It's kind of like the um, introduction of the catalytic converter in the 1970s. Right. Or the smog systems, you know. It was, when they brought them out, they kind of sucked. Yep. And they lost horsepower. You had a lot of problems with them, especially the smog systems, those AIRs and um, all that 
stuff that was involved, but you know, it, it, it's like you say, I mean, just, you know, get it right and then bring it out rather than I, and I think that's maybe one of the problems it's probably it's much longer running than this just this decade but it's a problem in the auto industry where the bringing something out like that having problems with it passing the cost onto the consumer while you get it figured out is is i think one of the reasons people have some hard feelings against the automotive industry uh, you know prices are going up they're making specialty parts and tools that so your car can only be worked on at a dealership now we can slip back to that all aluminum Ford F-150 that they have to have a dealer body shop has to have a special set of tools to be able to work on the panels and all that. So that's a, that's a big downside to me is the more and more we get towards the proprietary components and parts and pieces and just everything that they're doing on the automobile now that just forces the consumer to take it back to the dealership for any type of service and they keep jacking the cost of that up and it just it, it's not conducive to most people to own a brand new car that they have to take back to the dealership for the repairs because it's just too expensive i agree the key is and this is this isn't an advent of the decade. It's something I think the automotive manufacturers put into play in the early eighties. And this is them planning forty to fifty years into the future. And that goes back to leasing. They want you to get a new car, they want you to lease it for three years, they want you to give it back to them so they can keep the best cars on the used market recycle the old ones, keep you constantly making a payment to them. But the car is always under warranty, so you don't have to worry about fixing them, etc. And everything out there, I mean, I could have bought, you know, and it cost a couple thousand bucks extra with all the deals. But, you know, I can buy, you know, even on my Fusion, I could have bought all the maintenance, you know, up front so it's included in the 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 payment. So I make a car payment every month and I don't have to worry about any repairs or anything. And granted, I buy my cars because of the potential number of miles I put on them. But if I didn't put the mileage on, leasing would be very attractive to somebody like me uh, just because of how often I flip cars and move cars. Uh, and you really have to have a good understanding of leasing before you get into leasing. But you know what you know what you're saying is the fear of the repair and the the manufacturers would rather you always have a new car, and I think they'd love to get rid of the used car market. Um, my personal opinion, but now I'm going back. You know, I yelled at Will for going back to 2003. Now I'm going back to what I feel is like 1978, 1980. So. <laughs> We can take it all the way back to the like nineteen. Oh shoot, I'm gonna forget what year it was, but 
you know, stepping back even further into the 1920s, if I recall correctly, you know, GM's whole move of uh, planned obsolescence and a um, car for every purse and purpose. So it started a long time ago. I'm going to take that. Why is it why is it every time I talk about the 1920s it goes silent? Well, it's because we've talked about the 1920s or the 1920s now have been talked about for 90 years. I'm going to take the long silence delays and the <laughs> um, board timer being one oh one oh eight oh nine ten. Um, we're at our our hour kind of cap. Don't know if we have much else to do on this topic. This episode's obviously releasing Christmas week. Uh, we're going to do our best to get together next week to record an episode to release on New Year's week. We're going to figure out. We'll at least get one episode out in the next two weeks. We're really going to try to do an episode a week and not miss so that you'll get one on whatever that would be, the 30th and the 5th, 6th, I don't know, 4th. But we're going to try to stay to our weekly schedule, but we might miss a week to record, you know, just because we do want to take a Christmas holiday and Wednesdays are recording day, and the holidays are Wednesdays this year. So we'll see what we can do. Um, Till next time, everybody, uh, we'll have some topics. You know, send in some topics. Be sure to subscribe. Hey, if this is coming out Christmas week, tell your friends about your favorite podcast, No Driving Gloves, and get you know get your friends and family to s- subscribe. Why uh, you're having the Christmas? Uh, is it Christmas ham? Christmas turkey? Christmas dinner? Christmas? Uh, Whatever you want to eat, it doesn't matter. Vegan burger, whatever. Hot dogs. (laughs) I don't care what you eat. Just send us some Christmas gifts. There you go. Cookies. And I'll be honest, the best Christmas gift is a subscriber. Doesn't cost you anything. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, We're out there. Just Just, search for for us in your favorite podcast catcher. Just grab all your family members' phones and just subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe everybody. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the easiest way, you know. Till then, um, if we don't, I'm trying to think. If we don't talk to you uh, before, everybody have a well. Everybody have a good Christmas, and uh, if we don't talk to you before, have a have a happy New Year, and we'll either see you one more time in 19, or otherwise, we'll go ahead and potentially begin this new decade depending on whether or not you believe there's a year zero i'm out of here tonight guys good night later hey will hey merry christmas and um zamboni (laughs) oh lord